Welcome to the Conscious Healing Podcast with Mona Loring. This is a show that marries the mystical with the practical to help you with your spiritual healing. Whether you're newly curious about what's behind the veil or you're well into your spiritual journey, this show offers a grounded exploration into all you've been seeking. Welcome or welcome back to the Conscious Healing Podcast. I am Mona Loring, your host, and I'm really excited about the guest today. Julie Ryan is so fascinating because not only can she do all the amazing things I'm going to tell you about as a psychic and medical intuitive, but she's also an inventor and a serious businesswoman. And anyone who knows me knows that I love me some business. So her and I definitely are kindred spirits. I'm so excited for you to hear this conversation that we have for you today and just open your mind up as always to the fascinating, fascinating world of spirit and how we can use energy to translate into so many important aspects such as you know her work as a medical intuitive and being able to guide people on what perhaps is wrong with them and their health when other forms of the medical industry may not suffice. So I'm excited for you to learn more about Julie. If you ask me, it sure seems like Julie Ryan can do it all. First of all, Julie is a psychic and medical intuitive who can sense the medical conditions and illnesses a person has and then facilitate energetic healings. She can communicate with spirits both alive and dead. She can scan animals, access people's past lives, remove ghosts from homes and other buildings and spaces, and she can even tell how close to death someone is. Julie's book, Angelic Attendance, What Really Happens As We Transition From This Life to the Next, describes a series of events that involve angels, deceased family and friends, the spirits of deceased pets, and countless serendipitous and miraculous moments. Julie's latest book, Angel Messages for Kids, which is adorable and you have to check it out, is a picture book that has angels answering kids' tough questions. You can also hear from her each week as Julie scans callers on her Ask Julie Ryan podcast, which is heard by millions in over 100 countries throughout the world. Julie is a businesswoman, an inventor, an author, a podcaster, and a serial entrepreneur. She has founded nine companies in five different industries. Let me just tell you, she's my kind of woman. Welcome to the Conscious Healing Podcast, Julie. I'm so excited to have you as the guest today. I've been waiting for this. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I've been really looking forward to this myself. I think we're we're sisters from another mister. We have I, it's so comment. funny because the more I got to know about you, and, and I've, you've been on my radar for a very long time, but when I started to really read about your history and your work in business. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I can totally relate to her. We're kidnapped spirits. It's, it's so interesting to meet someone who has the background in business first and being a quote unquote, I, I, I shouldn't say this, but you know what I mean? You know, a regular person first before right. getting into spirit, because Usually, you know, so many people have their story about, you know, from, from so long ago, I've always been in spirit and this is what I do, but to have someone like you and you're so practical, it, it's so amusing to me in the best way where, because I'm just like, you know, I, I heard you on Arizona's podcast. And one of the things that you were saying was about how you don't have any crystals. And I was laughing because I'm like, okay, well, that's where we're different because I have crystals literally everywhere, but 
you know, you're just like, I don't need that stuff. That's not what this is about. And you're just so practical and just getting to know you. It's been, it's been so fun just because you have such a refreshing outlook on all of this. And I'm really excited for my listeners to hear it. Oh, thanks. People that I teach a class quarterly, Mona, and, and I, I tell people I'm a businesswoman who learned how to do woo-woo and I'm a buffet of psychicness. In this niche, people are like, they're either clairvoyant, they talk to dead people or they're medical intuitives or they're pet psychics. Well, I mean, you know, you tap into spirit, you can do all of it. You do all of it. And it's simple, simple, simple. You turn it on and off at will. It takes a nanosecond. And, And people that take my class that have taken other classes say, oh my God, it's so easy with you. I mean, there's so many techniques and things you have to do and meditate for an hour before you do it. I'm like, yeah, you don't need any of that stuff. You just, boom, you turn it on, boom, you turn it off. And it's, it's simple. You don't need to stand on your left foot with your right hand raised in the air and twirl around and be chanting under a crystal to do this stuff. I mean, we all come in with the software. It's just a matter of plugging it in and hit and play and learning to develop our abilities and then enhancing them once we get them cranked up. All little children have the ability and they start shutting it down by the age of about seven or eight when their adults in their lives say, oh, honey, that's just your imagination. That's not really true. So sad. Exactly. And I remember that happened to me for sure. But, you know, I, I want I want your take here because I already know where you're going with it and you said it. But, you know, do you believe that everyone has the same equal ability to do this, as you call it, woo-woo stuff? Or do you believe that, because I, I don't believe everyone has the same equal ability. I believe that everybody has the ability, but just like I always like to say athletes, because that, you know, everyone can run, everyone can throw a basketball into the basketball hoop, but some people are just quite honestly better at it than others because of whatever it is. Do you believe that? Or do you believe that everyone can truly be as good as everyone else, you know, as, as good as you, if they just put their mind to it and actually just learn, you know, the few tools and how they can, how they can really tap into that energy. Yeah. It's the latter. I think everybody has the ability and it's just a matter of practicing. Tom Brady's a great example, you know, speaking of athletes, quarterbacks, I mean, he was like one of the last ones picked in the draft the year that he was drafted and he just worked really hard and he practiced. And so that's what I tell my students is I can teach you to play chopsticks on the piano, but it doesn't mean you're going to be a concert pianist next week. You're going to have to develop your skill, but you have the fundamentals and then you go from there. And I believe it's the same with this. Everybody has the ability. We've all had situations in our lives where we think of somebody and We either run into them or we get a text from them or we get an email from them or they call us or something within a short period of time after that. And perhaps we'll say things like, oh, it's such a coincidence that I was just thinking of you. Right. Well, no coincidence. That's your intuitive psychic ability at work. Oh, for example, like when I put you on my wish list and then we were in contact already through, you know, email, it was just amazing. Um, Do you believe that? There's people when, and when something like that happens, do you think that there's perhaps somebody who's the transmitter and someone who's the receiver, or do you think it's kind of just all this connected line? You know, do you think that someone, for example, with you, you know, when I'm thinking of you, do you think that I put it out there and I put you on my wish list of guests and then somehow 
you know, your side picks up on it? Or do you think that there's some other way that this information comes across for people to have these quote unquote coincidences? Great question. I would say it's all of the above. I believe, Mona, that our heads are big satellite dishes and they receive and they transmit frequencies. Every spirit has its own frequency and it stays the same throughout all of its lifetimes, which are thousands and thousands and thousands. And how we connect with a spirit, whether it's attached to a body of a human that's alive or a spirit that's just in non-physical is we think of the person and then we're connected to them energetically, telepathically. And so I think it's all of the above. I think when we tap into spirit, I'm doing air quotes, yeah, source, God, whatever you want to call mm -hmm. it, it's all energy. And we have access to universal intelligence. Who do you want to talk to? You want to talk to a deceased loved one or you want to talk to Aristotle or do you want to talk to Shakespeare or Mother Teresa or it doesn't matter. You think of that person, you're immediately connected to them and you can communicate with them telepathically. So by, I'm so honored that you tell me I was on your wish list. <laughs> of course you are. Me being on your wish list, that sent that information out to me and therefore to my assistant, unbeknownst to me, who reached out to you. And right. Think, oh my God, what a coincidence. Yeah, no coincidences in life. Yeah, yeah, I love it. The, the fact that we... You live in an area of Los Angeles I that I used to live in <laughs> and we know the same places and we know, and we even in, in previous homes lived in another suburb of LA, which was the same yes. one. I mean, wild. when I said we're sisters from another Mista, I wasn't kidding. I mean, there's so many synchronicity things that are going on between you and me that it's, there's no way. It could be a coincidence with what right. 350 million people in the U.S., let alone in the world. Right, right. I love that. Well said. Okay, so you've already used the term spirit, and this is one of my first questions I have on my list, and I want to go through this list because they're good stuff, and I want answers for all of this. Yes, so, I wanted to ask you. You know, some of this is coming from your book because as I was reading, I was jotting notes down and saying, "Okay, this will be perfect for the podcast," but. I wanted to first discuss your take on the difference between soul and spirit. And can you explain if you believe we are spirits in bodies or bodies attached to spirits? Spirit can mean different things to different people. Soul is when we're talking about an individual soul or an individual spirit, it's the same thing to me. It's the energy that's the non-physical that's everlasting. But we're talking about spirit in the big overview term. I relate that to God's source, the energy that comprises everything. So spirit in two different ways. Does that answer your question too? Yeah, absolutely. Answer your question about are we spirits attached to bodies having human experiences? Yes. How I perceive it, Mona, is that the spirit is the main part of us and the body goes inside the spirit, but it's all holographic. And then we're, we're, the container for that is what I call the energy field membrane, which reminds me of really thin, stretchy saran wrap, the kind you get on a tray of right. from the grocery store. And, and I was raised Roman Catholic, 
12 years of Catholic schools, the nuns taught me that the spirit or the soul is someplace in the upper chest area. That is not what I perceive now at this stage of the game. And if you think about a religious figure in a painting or, or uh, a picture, oftentimes they're depicted with a halo around their head or around their whole body. That's their energy field. It's their aura. It's their spirit. It's all the same thing. The spirit, when it's attached to a body, is the power source for the body, which is why when someone dies and their spirit and their body separate, the body doesn't work any longer because it doesn't have an energy source. So I see that it's all holographic. It's all within this energy field membrane. Imagine it's like a big plastic bag that has energy in it that makes up the body and the spirit. Right. Right. And I love that, you know, you, you bring this up in your book too, about how you see spirit um, as it's leaving the body coming out of the top of the head and, and the crown area. And that was something that as I was reading your book, I was excited about too, because I see that there as well. And that was something that we've discussed off, off of this podcast on our own. We've discussed, you know, my shamanic training and how when I was in class, I was sort of the rebel that was kind of learning things and saying, ah, that's not what spirit's telling me. I'm going to do this differently. But that is something that I did learn in my training as well, that when you're doing, you know, the death rites shamanically, for example, um, you are allowing the spirit to exit in out, uh, exit out of the crown. So I find that really interesting. And do you think that that has a certain point of where maybe spirit lives or is it simply just where you see it as the exit point only? I see it as the exit point, which I think uh, really aligns with people who talk about near-death experiences that they perceive going through a tunnel of a bright white light. And I believe that's what's happening. But as somebody is dying, Mona, what I envision is that the spirit hangs on to the top of the head and it looks like a bubble that you'd see in a cartoon where the words or the thoughts are of the cartoon character, also known as the cartoon caption. Right. And, and as somebody is approaching death, that bubble stays there and then eventually separates from the body. And that's, that's I call that the spirit bubble. So that's how it appears to me when somebody is dying. Okay, very interesting. And as we're talking about dying, that's the perfect segue. I love how when I have these questions, everything always seems to segue perfectly into my next question. Thank you, Spirit. So the next question I had for you is, is there a sequence of events that transpires in the process of dying? And I have, I have a few follow-up questions, but I just kind of want you to start as a whole there. As I perceive it, yes. And I call it the 12 phases of transition. And they can happen instantly, like in the case of a homicide or suicide, where it's a really quick death. And they can happen over days, weeks, months, even years. I have a weekly podcast. And there was a gal that called into my show for two years, Mona, whose dad had Alzheimer's. And it took him two years to die. And he was in phase 11 wow. 12. Well, so 11's like, we're ready for takeoff. And it took him two years. I think it's important to remember also that time doesn't exist in the spirit world. And that's hard for us to wrap our human minds around because it's like, well, what do you mean time doesn't exist? But time is a yeah. human concoction. 
the Ro our calendar as we know it was developed by the Romans. And, and so if we understand that time doesn't exist, it helps a little bit to give us like, okay, well, maybe it's feasible. But the 12 phases of transition are a sequence of events where angels and deceased loved ones, spirits, and the spirits of deceased pets form a configuration as the person is approaching death. And it correlates with how the person is uh, progressing in their dying process. Interestingly enough, there's a book called Death is But a Dream by a, an MD, PhD named Chris Kerr, K-E-R-R. -R. And he's the hospice and palliative care director of a big hospice center in Buffalo. And he's done university-based research on a couple thousand patients. And he's found that close to 90% of them have visitations and dreams of their deceased loved ones as they're approaching death. And depending on what the dreams are and the frequency of dreams, they can tell in his care center and with their home patients as well, how close to death somebody is. I can scan somebody anywhere in the world. I can see the in my mind's eye, I can see in my mind's eye, the configuration of how angels and spirits and deceased loved ones are placed. I can tell you, okay, they're in phase eight of 12. Here's what's happening. We can communicate with the person telepathically, even if they can't communicate themselves. And it's really helpful to family when we can, we can help them with, okay, they're in phase eight of 12 and people take time off work. They fly in from other locations, sometimes even out of the country to be there at the bedside. They want to be there when somebody is dying and it's just so helpful to them. But what if you're in, like you said, this, this one lady that you had that was you know, unfortunately dealing with her father passing over two years. What if they're in phase 10 and that's supposed, you know, that could be pretty quick for it, it's relative, right? So how do you necessarily know how much time to tell somebody they may have, you know, tell the family member, I should say, how much time they have before something's about to happen? Does spirit communicate those details to you a little yes. bit? I assume that's got to be yes, what it and is. Also, I can tell how fast they're progressing through the phases because okay. people can stall in phases for periods of time. And also people can go backwards. And, and I have a dear friend whose mother's been in phase 11 of 12 twice, and now she's not in any of the phases. She decided she wanted to stick around for a while. And so just because somebody's in a phase, it doesn't mean that they're going to exit. My brother's, one of his best friends, what, had a stroke and was on the operating room table and was in phase 11 of 12. And I was communicating with him telepathically when he was in surgery and I said to my brother, I don't know that he's going to make it. And funny part of that story is he was, he is an attorney and his family is a, a developer. The company is a development company, like big shopping malls and stuff like that. And they had some big deal that was closing Mona. And he had all these details that he wanted me to tell my brother. So my brother could tell his dad, who was his <laughs> partner. So my brother's in the waiting room at the hospital when they're having surgery and he's telling He's telling Tim, his buddy's dad, this stuff, and his dad had to sit down. He goes, there is no way you would know these details because the only so other person cool. that knows these details is Tim, who was in surgery. Yeah. You know, they're taking out part of his skull because his brain is swelling. 
but he's still communicating while they're doing that. I love it. But long story short, that was a dozen years ago. And he's just fine. I mean, he is Ah. is up and working and living his life. So like with anything that's in the future, what I found, Mona, is that things that have happened in the past are set. Things that are happening right now are set. Things that are in the future are fluid. And there are a bazillion variables that can come in to affect an outcome. Your free will, somebody else's free will, global pandemics, I mean, forever. So you think about, all right, I can tell you this right now. Here's what I'm getting. It may be different an hour yeah. from now. It may be different tomorrow. It may be different a week or a month or a year from now. I have been struggling with yeah. that since October because I was given a download in March about how all this stuff was, you know, and I'm not going to go into it because I, I was always quiet about it because I didn't want to be fear mongering anybody. But I was given a download that in October, X, Y, and Z was going to happen. And I prepped my family. I got everything going because I believed so strongly that this was going to happen. I spoke to other psychic intuitives that I know are always spot on. They were having similar dreams. And so I started to, as, as October was approaching, I started to tell a few people, even though, you know, and I've told you already, like, I don't like to be wrong. I'm a perfectionist. So I don't like to tell people things unless I'm positive. But I just had such a strong feeling, you know, I really believed this. And boom, come the October dates, nothing happens. And I'm sitting there going, what the heck, you know? And spirit started to sort of tell me, and I'd love your take on this. Spirit started to tell me how there was, spirit gave me the word timelines, which I had never heard before from spirit. And then ironically, through social media, I started hearing other people using the word timeline the same time as me, uh, which is always fun. But spirit was basically saying that the, the collective consciousness had shifted and that, you know, the timelines were not what they were going to be anymore. And that unfortunately, we still need to wait for another shoe to drop and that not everything is as it seems and not everything is as perfect. But also, it's how we choose to perceive those things that are going to happen, right? So can you tell me what you think about that whole scenario and, and timelines and your take on that with how consciousness and the collective consciousness can shift based on what you're saying. There's so many variables in the future. It's really hard to quote unquote fortune tell. Yeah. I think that spirit has a great sense of humor. And for those (laughs) of us that are perfectionists and we want to always get it right. They're like, okay, we're just going to play with her and see if we can get her to give up. Oh my gosh. So true. And, you know, you think about nothing's perfect. The weatherman isn't paid for accuracy. The stock market analysts, the political analysts, you know, my God, the polls were wrong and they were wrong in the last two presidential elections. Not by a lot, by a right. lot. And doctors are 60% accurate. 60% is all. And, and so we need to just say, okay, here's what I'm getting right now that can change. And, and that's where free will comes in of people to your point about, we all experience things based on our frame of reference. Most of the work I do is as a medical intuitive. Well, I'm an inventor of surgical devices sold throughout the world. Some of which have been on the market for 30 years. 
And so my, I, I perceive things through my frame of reference. Sometimes I see healings that emulate what I saw in operating rooms. Sometimes I see healings using methodologies and devices that haven't been invented yet. And that really gets me going because I'm an inventor. I'm like, oh, cool. What's this? How's this work? And I'll talk to friends and colleagues who are in a certain niche. For instance, I see DNA healings happen. I'm a girl with a communications degree. What do I know about DNA? I know it's the recipe that tells the cells how to behave. So the first time I saw a healing watching DNA sequencing, DNA get resequenced, in other words, a mutation getting corrected in a, in a client, patient. So afterwards, I'm like, what is this? So I called a buddy of mine who's a world-renowned geneticist. And I said, what, what is this that I'm seeing? And he said, it's being studied in five institutes around the world. Nobody's ever seen it right now. It's a hypothesis. Nobody's seen it. Nobody pr can prove it. And there's no, way, there's no way you would know about it. And I said, well, obviously I do because I just described it to you. And he said, yeah, good point. So now, whenever I talk to him, he wants to know, what am I seeing? What am I seeing with the people, my clients, where that this healing happens? You know, how does it help cancer patients? How does it help Parkinson's patients? How does it help other, other people that have all kinds of diseases and illnesses? So I think we just need to be open to spirit communicating with us. And when we get too big for our own britches, and we get too, too interested in being right and controlling the information, we're going to get slapped upside the head, I mean, not literally, but, <laughs> but in a joyous, loving way, in a, in a humorous way. <laughs> and we're going to be told, yeah, well, you know, cool your jets a little because that's just not the way it works. Yeah. So I want to go back to uh, expanded communication because you just talked about that briefly uh, with the, the example of the, the gentleman who was under the operation. And I read this in your book and I, I loved the term expanded communication because I didn't have a term for this. And in my healings, only as of, I want to say recently, but now it's been maybe a year, uh, this is happening where I'm starting to communicate with people who yeah. are alive. And it's been really strange. You know, somebody, you know, for example, um, one of my, my clients, his grandmother came and she started negotiating with me on how I need to tell him to behave towards his dad because they were in a fight and I didn't know about any of this. And I'm like, okay, your grandmother's here. And she's telling, and, and, and I assumed she had passed away because they don't appear differently for me. I'm curious if they appear differently for you. So that's my first part of the question, but I, I, I really wanted to talk about this because it's not something very many people I don't think know about and talk about, you know, most people think about it as the only spirits that you communicate, if they even believe that, right, are the ones who have passed away. But no, you can actually talk to someone else's consciousness who is alive. And this has been happening more and more and more with me. And I... I was so thrilled to read about it in your book because I'm like, oh my God, yes, Julie, you gave me a term for this. So can you talk to me about what that is like for you, what you believe and how, how it works? Obviously, like you said, you've already given us a little bit of a preface to the answer of this already with the fact that, you know, even with me putting you on my wish list, right? It's, it's almost the same kind of thing where it was expanded consciousness and we were connecting in that way. But 
when it comes down to an actual, for example, a read with someone and, and that coming across, can you talk sure. about that? I had a, a client bit? earlier today who wanted me to scan her husband and I always at medically, he was having some medical issues. Yeah. And I always ask permission before I scan anybody because I believe it's a, it's a right. privacy thing. And, and I'm not going to, yeah. I think it's unethical to scan somebody without their permission. I ask newborn babies spirits if I can scan them before I do yeah. And, and if they say, yes, I do. If they say no, I can, but I won't because I believe it's a, it's a HIPAA violation. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, I don't yeah. have any problem <laughs> talking with their spirit, however, because for instance, if we were talking with somebody that had pneumonia and we we're having a conversation with them, they would tell us what they wanted us to know, but that doesn't mean that we are going to look at their x-rays without their permission. So I don't have a problem with talking to, to someone's spirit. So that's what we did with her husband as we talked with his spirit. And again, every spirit has its own frequency. It's like 94.7 the wave in LA. It's smooth jazz. 94.7 the wave. Yay. That's my favorite radio station there. I don't oh, think they're around that far. Right. And so... Um, they broadcast smooth jazz. And then, you know, what is it? KFI is talk radio and, and mm -hmm. like news, KFI news, talk radio. So that's what they're broadcasting on that station. So thoughts don't originate in our heads. We pull them in from the ethers and they're based on a frequency. It's what that, what those call numbers are, um, like a megahertz call number. Same with spirits. Every spirit has their own frequency that they keep throughout all their lifetimes. So you could, you think of that person or that deceased person or a live person, it doesn't matter. You tune your satellite dish head to their frequency. So it doesn't matter if they're attached to a body or not. You can communicate telepathically. And interestingly enough, Mona, you know, cultures have been doing this since the beginning of time. The Aboriginal cultures, other cultures that are indigenous in the Amazon, in other parts of the world, they have been able to communicate telepathically across vast distances since the beginning of time. The walkabout, the Aboriginal culture with the walkabout. And they know when the person who's doing his walkabout by himself is getting close to back to where the group's going to meet him. Well, how do they know that? You know, they know it yeah. telepathically. How do mothers know that their kids need help? How do mothers know when babies need to be fed before they even wake up. I mean, you're a mom, I'm a mom. Back in the day, I'd wake up before my son Jonathan needed a bottle. It might be 20 seconds before he woke up, but I knew that I going going to bed at night. You know, same thing. If I if I want to solve a problem and I want information from somebody whether they're alive or deceased, I'll just say, "Okay, hey, Susie, who's still alive. Hey, Susie, you know, I need to know what you want for Christmas. So give me an idea in my dreams. And then I'll wake up the next morning and I'll have a divine download, I call it. And Susie will say, well, I'd like a Waterford ornament. Okay, great. You know. You're like, I already, or I already ordered yeah, it. <laughs> so so it's, it's so useful. And it's great because it's free and it's convenient. It works anywhere your brain is and your brain's usually with you wherever you are. So it's great. How does it work though when 
you know, because I, I do it that way too, where I can tap into the person who's alive consciousness, right? How does it work from what you know, coming the other way around, right? So for example, with this client, how did his grandmother know that I was with him, you know, and again, I know it's spirit and it can be anything and they're everywhere and all of that. But what's your take on that for our listeners and how they can wrap their heads around this of how did she know in that time I'm sitting there talking to him, I'm doing a session with him for her to come when we weren't talking about her. She wasn't invited. I wasn't tapping into her because we were doing something completely different. What is, is it because that person's energy is around my client because it's family and, and they were already there and she decided to communicate with me. How do you in see that, that happening? Instance, what I'm getting, which means the information that's being downloaded into my head is that he thought of her unbeknownst to you, which connected his satellite dish head to her frequency. You were connected to okay. him. So her connection through him came to you. Similarly, when yeah. I'm working with a client or somebody who calls into my show, my show's a call-in show. And so people call in and ask Julie Ryan. I mean, it's a plethora of questions. We can talk to your dead grandma. We can scan your cat. I can scan you. We can do past life stuff. We can do, you know, spirit guides, angels, love life advice, scan your house for mold. I mean, whatever. And it's really fun. It's all the same thing. It's all tapping into spirit, but oftentimes when I'm talking with a client who's either called into my show, Mona, or in a private session, and we're having a conversation with, let's say, their deceased grandmother. Well, before we know it, there are other deceased family members that have shown up out of the blue. So right. they're all connected. Right. And then we have a, we just have a group conversation. And, and it, it's funny, my experience with talking with spirit is especially if we're talking to a deceased loved one or, you know, you want to do Einstein. One of my students, it was fun in class. He's a brilliant engineer and he was working on some program and he wanted to talk to Einstein. And so we pulled Einstein in and he had this conversation with Einstein in front of the rest of us. And, and he got some algorithm figured out that he was working on that was way above my pay grade. I was like, okay, whatever. He got the information he needed, but but the interesting thing about it is when other spirits come in, what I find to prime the pump is you ask a couple of questions and then they get really chatty. Have you found that to be the same? It's like, yes. I, I want to ask them. And yes. The other thing is people <laughs> say to me, well, who's, who's around me? And I know there's thousands of spirits around you. Who do you want to talk to? I'm a businesswoman. Let's cut to the chase. Boom. Who do you want to talk to? We pull them in. And so ask a couple of questions and then they're just off to the races and they're talking about whatever. And then we can ask them questions and get information. I think a couple of points that are really important to remember, however, one is spirits are super literal, super, super, super literal. So you want to be very concise, very specific. If you're looking for advice, for instance, if you say, Hey grandma, are we going to enjoy the movie? And you get a yes. And then you guys are watching a movie tonight and it's atrocious. And you're thinking, why did you tell me we're going to enjoy this grandma? Well, grandma gave you a correct answer, which spirit always will. But how applicable it is, is going to be predicated on how we ask the question. 
So Bramall gave you a, an accurate answer. The way you asked the question could pertain to any movie that you watch for the rest of your life. Versus if you said, hey, Grandma, are we going to enjoy watching Frozen 2 on Disney Plus tonight? See the difference? So you want to you want yes. to drill down. Spirit has definitely you tripped me up really with that kind of specific. specific and then if it's yeah. something that's ultra important, ask it a number of different ways. Because again, we're going to interpret the information we get based on our own frame of reference. An example, last week I was talking to a client and... I, it was her grandmother or somebody and we were talking about this woman's daughter and daughter-in-law and so the grandma's spirit said well she's grieving the loss of her nana well nana to me is a grandma and I said that to my client and she said well no you know we we called her granny or we called her mama or something and I said, well, she said it three times. She's still, she's really, she and the family are grieving the loss of Nana. And, and uh, my client gasped, Mona, and she said, oh my God. And I said, what? And she said, their dog Phoebe just died. And she was an English sheepdog and they referred to her as Nana dog because she wouldn't leave the kids like Nana dog from Peter Pan. So spirit, and, and she said, they called her Nana more than they called her right. Phoebe. So spirit was right. accurate. It was just, we had to figure out what the interpretation of that was. Kind of a fun. Exactly. Those are some really good tips for people who are, who are even intuitively trying to connect with their loved ones on their own, you know, to really think about how they frame those questions for sure, because it can really get quite confusing if you're not specific. My husband will sometimes ask me certain questions for spirit. And I'm like, be specific. And he's like, how much more specific do you want me to get? And I'm like, so much more yeah. than you think. Yeah. Get more specific. Okay, yeah. so let's talk about angelic escorts because I was excited to talk about this with you too. And I love that you remind the reader that in reality, angels are just energy and can appear in an endless variety of forms because I completely agree with you and I see that as well. And just like you say in the book, I actually see angels in a specific way as well. And actually my specific way was, again, another commonality with you. I see them very similar to you do, the way you do. So can you share your thoughts on how you perceive these angels and what you believe their mission is and how they help us here on yeah, Earth? Yeah, I think we all have a guardian angel that's with us throughout all of our lifetimes. And it's so funny, Mona, because people often will say to me, well, what's my guardian angel's name? And... For a long time, I'd get these names that were just, I don't know where they came from, either a dead religion or a dead language or a, like another galaxy far, far away or something like that. Like I get these names with 12 letters and they'd all be consonants. And I'd say, I don't even know how to pronounce that. Can you give me an American English or if I'm talking to a Brit, can you give me an English or a French nickname we can call you? And then it'll come in like, Sam or Al or you know Simon or something like that. So, so now I just say, okay, give me a name that we can relate to that I can pronounce, and then a, a name will come in. The other thing about angels is that they are gender neutral. They don't have a gender. We equate a name with a gender. Like Michael, we see as masculine. Susie, you know, Angel Susie. <laughs> I've never heard that yet, but but uh, I might <laughs> and. So 
And that's fine because that gives us, again, gives us a point of reference that we call, okay, my angel is, is Gabriel. And we think of Gabriel as a man, you know, as a male present. And that's fine. Take a care. Right. Spirits and spirit guides um, and angels are all there to help us on our journey. They're kind of like tutors almost. And they don't care what we decide to do because everything's free will. And it's been my perception over the years, Mona, that there's no right or wrong in the spirit world. There's just an experience, which is a big departure from religions and cultures that have ruled with fear. And and my parish priest had this great line that I've stolen and that I use all the time. And he said, he said from the pulpit one time at mass, he said, yeah, people are so afraid to die because they don't know if they're going to fly or fry. And I thought that is perfect. That was just perfect. So angels are and our spirit guides and our deceased loved ones are going to put ideas in our head. And whether we act on them or not, they don't care. It's just to guide us. And then we're in it for the experience. And, and everything that we experience is happening for us, even if it seems horrific. I use the analogy a lot of, right. of, I see all of us on the yellow brick road from the Wizard of Oz. And the yellow brick road only goes one direction and it's towards Oz, which is heaven or Nirvana, or you know, it's our spirit's path. And, and we're all wearing the ruby slippers or the ruby shoes. And each brick that lights up is, a, is part of our path. It's a step on our path in this lifetime. And so we step on a brick and it may, it may land us in a field of blooming poppies and it's a sunny day and it's, we take a nap and it's lovely. And then we step on another brick and it lands us in a haunted castle being chased by flying monkeys with a wicked witch flying around on our broom. And it's horrific. And we're thinking, Oh my God, are we going to survive this? How are we going to get out of it? But then when you go back to, okay, this is benefiting me in some way and you see, okay, well, how's this benefiting me? And then that gets you to the point where you see this bucket of water in the corner and you go grab it and you throw it on the Wicked Witch and she melts, all right? So everything that we go through, and then you're the hero and you, you know, and the, the guards are singing to you and the witch is dead and all this stuff. We all have the power, <laughs> everything that we go through, even if it feels awful, we, when we look at it from a different perspective, it makes our energy vibration go back to being in alignment with our spirit, which is pure love. Fear is a low vibration. And when we feel badly about something, it's like our internal GPS system saying, meep, 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 turn around at the next available street, you know, you're off course. And spirit can't communicate right. when we're in a low vibration because it's communicating in a high vibe on that station. So it would be like you're on a classic rock channel and you're trying to listen to the weather, you know, or news. They're not going to necessarily be playing that. Or you're on the all news station and you want to listen to cla classic rock. It's not being broadcast on that frequency. So if we can at least get neutral, then spirit can guide us. But it's, it's learning, and I think this is a big part of all of our past, Mona, is learning to say, okay, this feels really awful. And at the same time, I know it's benefiting me in some way. That at least gets you to neutral, then spirit can communicate. Whether that's 
communication from your angels, your deceased loved ones, your spirit guides, God, the Virgin Mary, whomever. It's all the same thing. It's all spirit. And you answered my question, which was how does someone get to neutral? And you answered that. So that's perfect. I love that. And I absolutely agree. And I think that 2020 has been that year where people really need that advice, you know, just such a fear-based year. It's, it's truly awful. And um, I think that it's very important for everyone to at least get to neutral, to, to align and realign, I should say, and try to at least start to get that guidance again, because it's just constantly knocking people off their path every time they think that they're you know, heading in a new direction, things are getting better. It's like, well, no, Here's not yet. Here's to another. control the masses since the beginning of time by civilizations and by religions and, yes. and all of that. And I think even with this global pandemic situation that we're in, the experts don't agree. And that's science. Science is never specific. You know, you had, you had Copernicus and Aristotle and Galileo and, you know, and then you had Einstein who was disproven by somebody later. So, so science is always evolving. And it used to be that if you had an ulcer, they'd take out part of your stomach. Now, if you have an ulcer, they give you an antibiotic. So right. it's always evolving. And I think right. if we can at least get to neutral and say, okay, they're figuring this out as we go. All I know is here's what's happening at this moment in my world. And all this other stuff that's out there, all this fear, oh my God, if you touch a shopping cart and you get COVID and then you blow your nose and it gets in your nose and then it gets in your brain and then there's not going to be a hospital bed and blah, 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 blah. Really? Really? What's the chance of that happening? And oh, by the way, you have a 99.9% cure rate if you don't have a bunch of comorbidity issues. So yeah. I think it's stay in neutral as much as you can when you feel bad. Get back to neutral. Look yeah. at it from a different perspective. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So obviously I can't have you on my podcast and not ask you more about okay. your medical intuition <laughs> because I'm fascinated and I love it so much. And as we were talking about offline, you know, I have started to really develop my medical intuitive abilities. And I was explaining to you, I'm like, but I'm not a doctor. I don't know what spirit's showing me. And you were like, oh, come on, just as usual, slapping my silliness out of me. So can you tell us a bit about the process of scanning and how you're able to see what's happening to both people and pets? Because I think it's so many people are so fascinated with how you may see something in their cat or their dog and their pet. So can you, can you break it down a little bit of what yeah, this process exactly. looks like so, for you? Again, I focus on that person, my satellite dish head. I think of them like if I was going to scan you. I <laughs> watch in my mind's eye a laser beam come from my body, look into you. Any, you could be on Mars. It doesn't matter. You could be in a different galaxy. It doesn't matter. It's just energy. And then I have a hologram of you in my mind's eye, Mona, and I envision shooting energy from your feet up through the top of your head. And it's as if I'm looking at an X-ray or a CT scan or an MRI. And then three things happen. First, something is identified. And then immediately thereafter, there's some type of energetic healing that happens. And that can take the form of something getting added, something getting removed. I watch procedures all the time, as I mentioned before, that emulate what I saw in operating rooms for all those decades when I was developing products and testing prototypes in surgery and 
things like that. Sometimes I see healings that, as I mentioned, use methodologies and devices that haven't been invented yet. But regardless of what I'm seeing, I'm very descriptive with my client, whether it's somebody who's called into my show or whether it's a private client where we have an hour to really do a deep dive. I love that because I can get you for a whole hour. And, and, uh, and I want them to envision what I'm seeing, or at least get a sense of it because our bodies are always going to follow what our brains show it, even if our brains don't believe it. And I think a great example of that is think to a time when you were watching a scary movie, maybe with your kids and your husband, your brain knew it was pretend, but your heart might've felt like it was getting ready to jump out of your chest because it was just so darn scary. So the body's always going to follow that. So I'll make several passes. Some will be identified, they'll be healing. Some will be identified, they'll be healing. There's a, it happens really fast. And my analogies, a lot of the time are really hilarious because I'll tell somebody that a body part looks like a bowl of whipped cream or something crazy like that, but it's just so that they can have a quick reference. So I'm seeing things in my mind's eye. I'm talking with them and I'm getting divine downloads. So it's a good thing I'm a woman because I can multitask because, you know, it's one of our superpowers being able to, yes, you live with a bunch of men. I know you, yep. you know what I'm talking about. So then the third <laughs> thing that I do is goes back to that energy field membrane. And that's the container that holds the energy that comprises our body and our spirit in a holographic form. If there's a tear or a hole in that energy field membrane, it's allowing an energy leak. Energy leaks are caused by an emotional event, either in this lifetime or a past lifetime. And it could be something simple. It could be something dramatic. It doesn't matter, but it causes an energy block a la Eastern medicine, acupressure, acupuncture, clear the block, get the chi to move. And I envision it as this little kernel of yep. pop popcorn, Mona. And then other life events, energy piles, piles, piles on top of it, eventually causing enough pressure, it causes a blowout in the membrane. Well, if the body's leaking energy, it's my, it always precedes any kind of medical condition, 100% of the time. So I'll go into that terror hole and I'll be shown a scene. And if it's this lifetime, I'll be given what the year was, where they were, what was going on. They may or may not remember it. doesn't matter. If it's past life, I'll be given where it was most of the time, what their name was, what was happening, and then we'll correlate it with what's happening in their current life. And so once it's illuminated, it eradicates it, that energy filled membrane heals immediately and the body is working on full power, which helps the body regain health and maintain health. And an analogy I like to use for this is imagine taking your boys when they were little or even now to the pet store to buy them a goldfish. They're gonna put it in a plastic bag of water in order for you to get the fish home. So if you have a picture of that in your, man, your mind's eye, the fish represents our body, the water represents our spirit, because again, the body's inside the spirit, and the plastic bag represents the energy field membrane. If that plastic bag has a pinhole in it, Mona, and water's draining out a drop at a time, for a long time, that fish is gonna be just fine. If, on the other hand, they don't take care of it and enough water drains out, that fish is going to be in trouble. And that I see with the human body. Right. We got to fix that energy field membrane. It's the most important part of the healing because we can fix body parts all day long. But if you're leaking energy, why bother? It's kind of like 
you get your car, your car isn't working. So you take it into your mechanic and they put a new radiator in, but you got a dead battery. Well, what's the point? Car's still not working. It's not working right. Exactly. Yeah. So that's what I perceive. It's exactly. really fascinating. And it's, it's a lot of fun. Even I was telling you about my client with whom I, I worked earlier this afternoon that has brain cancer and we're laughing and we're watching all these mm -hmm. healings happen. And, and she had a really good report. I've worked with her for several, about a year now, several times during the year. And she got a great report and the doctors are flabbergasted because her, you know, her tumor in her brain has a bunch of necrotic tissue on it. It's dying and they can't explain why. And so I'm going, yeah. And we do the DNA healing on her because when there's cancer or some other degenerative disease, there's been a mutation in the DNA and the cells are misbehaving. So we go in and we get that DNA strand resequenced back to a normal recipe, if you will. Cells behave normally. Mm -hmm. And then the body, the body just has a tremendous capacity to heal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and when you're that's meant a really to, good point. right? That's the tricky uh, part. Death is the healing sometimes. Yeah. And that, yeah. And, and that's the thing, not every time. Well, okay. So let's say you're scanning someone and they are not meant to heal, even though we, we are also saying death is healing, but we're talking about actually healing and not dying. Right. Do you, are you told by spirit perhaps that this is not to happen are you sometimes not shown because it's just supposed to happen how it will? Have you, what kind of experience have you seen like that where you just know because some people it's their path, right? It's their time, it's their path, and they're Great not question. meant to quote unquote heal. I always tell my clients that the healing happens on the energetic level with them and it will integrate into their body and that can happen instantly. It can take days, weeks, months. It may need some kind of complementary care like change in diet, medicine, surgery, chemotherapy, whatever. But at the end of the day, it's always the person's spirit's prerogative to utilize or not the healing in a manner that's going to best facilitate whatever it is their spirit wants to experience in this lifetime. I am the conduit. There is not a doctor or a healer on the planet that can heal somebody. We help people heal themselves in a manner that they choose. So if they choose that they want to experience not healing, that's fine. That's their prerogative. If they want to choose a manner of healing where they feel better. I mean, I have many, many clients that will email me the next day and say, oh my God, my back pain's completely gone. Or, oh my God, my torn meniscus isn't torn anymore. I went for an MRI. You worked on me last week and now I don't need surgery. And I've had doctors call me through the years and say, all right, what are you doing with my patient and how does this stuff work? And my husband got a new knee about a month <laughs> and a half ago. And we went in for his four week post-op check and you almost couldn't see even an incision where he cut him open. And, and the doctor was saying, oh, this is amazing, you know, cause he has some other, other medical issues. And he was, uh, he was worried about how he was going to heal. And he said, Oh my God, you, you've healed better than my, you know, my high school kids that I'm operating on. And my husband said, well, my wife's an intuitive healer. And the surgeon said, can you go home with all my patients? <laughs> so 
I'll have doctors call me and say, right. hey, what are you doing? And, and how does this work? And interestingly enough, several, several physicians and other medical providers have taken my class. And then they use these healing modalities that they learn in my class to help facilitate healing and help their patients. That was where I was going to go next is just, wouldn't it be nice? And I can't wait to hopefully in my lifetime, I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping that we can see how the Western medical community, the traditional medical community can come together with intuitive healing and intuitive medical or intuitive medicine, I should say. And because they both work so well, I mean, I already do it because primarily what I do is work with people for emotional trauma. And so I work with a few therapists that we, we refer each other business because, you know, they understand what I do and vice versa. And it's so nice when you can blend together those tools, right? And those modalities that I'm just thinking, when will this happen with actual practical physicians, you know, because it's such a beautiful thing. And you topped it off by saying there's actually doctors that took your classes. I mean, I want the numbers of those doctors. That's the doctor I want to see because any doctor who understands that healing becomes, you know, it's from, from the inside out and it's from the spiritual side first. Absolutely. Always. I, I truly believe that. And anyone who understands that well, is a perfect doctor for me, let me tell you. So well, I just I hope that that's something that'll become the it's norm. It's not so much going towards the energy healing. It's going back to the energy healing. Because since the beginning of time, the <laughs> shamans and the medicine mans and the indigenous tribes and the, you know, the healers, the witches that were burned at the stake, many of them were healers, both here and in Europe. And and they were healers using herbs and using energy and using other modalities. And then it's just been in the past 150 years or so where we've become more research-based and more fact-based. And everybody has the intuitive abilities to do it. Interestingly enough, I've had several professors, PhD professors take my class as well from a bunch of different different uh, specialties, business, nursing, art, English, history. And then they take these skill sets back and they teach their children. Many other educators of all ages of children from kindergarten to college. And, and they're teaching this in their classes. They integrate it into their curriculum. I love it. Yeah. And a lot of nurses. That makes me so happy. Nurses, a lot of <laughs> massage therapists, a lot of physical therapists and um, psychologists. And, and I've had a psychiatrist. I've had scientists that are taking the class and then housewives and, you know, engineers and business people and all walks yeah. of life. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Everybody has the ability to learn this stuff. But um, a 14 year old girl from London took my class and I thought, my goodness, you know, what we're teaching her, how is that going to just enhance her life that she's learning this woo-woo stuff and learning to integrate it and trust it and use it in her life as she goes forward. I think, I think young mothers need to be taught this that. stuff because they're going to be able to communicate telepathically with their children who aren't verbal yet. You know, they're crying. They can tell they're in pain, but they have no idea what hurts. How would that be if we can yeah. do all of that and then help facilitate yeah. healing 
So the work that I do, I believe is an adjunct to Western and Eastern medicine as we know it. It's another piece of the equation to help people heal themselves. I, I laugh when I think of all of the clients I have that have been told that they have an autoimmune disease. And I say, that just means the doctor doesn't know what's causing it. And it doesn't make sense to me because the body is programmed to heal always. The body is not going to turn on itself. The body's not going to attack itself. It just doesn't work that way. But it's, it's again, back to the, I'm a perfectionist. I want to be right. I don't know what's causing this. So it's an autoimmune disease. So, oh, it's your fault because your body's turning on itself. Nah, nah, that's not what's happening. And so we reverse engineer what the symptoms are and we figure out, okay, what's the cause? And, and a lot of times it needs, it needs complementary care from doctors. I, I tell people all the time, okay, you need to go see a chiropractor, go to the doctor, ask them this, ask for this kind of a prescription, tell them why. Here's a link to an article that you can use to help make your case to your physician. Because I don't find, Mona, that there's any malicious intent there on the doctor's part. They're doing what they believe is right yeah. based on their frame of reference, their education, what their experience is. And there's no way they can know everything that's out there unless they take my class and they can tap into right. universal intelligence and then they do. And that should be a part of med school, but hey, that could be a whole episode on its own, us arguing that. <laughs> okay, I don't want to keep you any longer. I've already kept you for an hour. Thank you so much for your time. Final question. How can people learn more about you and work with you? Because you've been talking about these classes. They're so amazing. And how Ask can they Julie get your Ryan. books? Just tell us everything. Where do they find you? Easy peasy. AskJulieRyan.com. It's AskJulieRyan on all social media, on YouTube, on Alexa, on Pinterest, you know, Instagram, Facebook, on Alexa, all of that. You on Alexa. I love it. You're sitting there and you're just in the middle of your living room. You just and say, Alexa, Ask I, Julie Ryan. Ask Julie Ryan podcast <laughs> and she will provide. Um, my books are available anywhere. Love it. You get books. My new I've written children's books. I have a series of children's books called Angel Messages. The second one's coming out here shortly called Angel Messages for Dogs. The illustrations are darling. Your messages for kids is out. Can't and wait. Angelica That's Tennis. awesome. My training I do four times a year, once a quarter, limited to 12 people. Classes are usually full several months in advance. So if, you're think if you want to take it, sign up for it. And um, to schedule a private session on my site. And I'm booked out a couple of months, Mona, but I tell people clients reschedule all the time. So in your get on my calendar in your confirmation email, you'll see a little dot that a little button that says reschedule. Click on that periodically. Earlier appointments that will come available, you can switch to one of those. The key is just getting on the calendar and then we can move you mm -hmm. around. Smart. Right. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I adore you. You're amazing. I could keep you for 10 more hours, but I will let you go. I know it's a little later where you're at, but oh, I appreciate your time so and your wonderful. Thank you Happy holidays, on. everybody. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Julie as much as I did. And I hope that 
you learned something new as that's always my goal, somehow to heal something new about this beautiful, fascinating world of spirit. And with Julie, what I really find amusing is how she calls herself a buffet of psychicness. And what I really love about that is it's true. When you dial in to energy, when you dial into the quote unquote psychic field, there's really no limitation on what it is you can do. You can be uh, you know, a medium, you can be a psychic, you can dial into medical intuitive work. It just depends on how you want to dial into it. And I love that she really believes that everyone is capable of doing this type of work. I definitely have my theory, which I've shared at least a couple times, where, you know, I do believe that just like an athlete, some people are going to be better than others and some people have more of a natural ability to do something than others. But at the end of the day, you know, if you love basketball and you're five foot, you know, five feet tall, just like me, I was going to say five foot one and I'd be lying. I don't think I even have the one inch. You know, if you're five feet tall and you love basketball, yeah, you're probably not going to get into the WNBA as someone like me. But if you practice, 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 you could get pretty good at it. And so there's levels to it. And it just depends on what you want for yourself. Do you have a passion to do this as a career? Is it a calling? Do you just have a passion for it because it's interesting to you and fascinating and it's a hobby? Whatever it is, it's perfect, as I always say. And the most important thing is to not judge yourself. Don't judge yourself on where you're at, your abilities. Don't judge yourself on if you can or can't. Just be, just try, just love it. And the more you love it, the easier all of this is going to flow for you. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you like what you heard, please take a moment to subscribe and rate and review it wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'd really appreciate that. You can also find me on Instagram at Healing with Mona and visit my website at www.consciouselingco.com and send me a message there if you want to work with me one-on-one. Until next time, this is Mona Loring signing off and sending you all the good vibes.